Hi everyone, I'm your host Matt Salem and you have tuned in to another episode of Our Best Behavior, a podcast brought to you by Behaviorally, winner of the 2020 Market Research Podcast Award. Behaviorally, formerly PRS in Vivo USA, helps brands improve shopper and consumer experiences by defining and diagnosing the behaviors that drive shopper growth. Each month, we produce a podcast to share industry insights on trending topics designed to help you make better shopper marketing decisions. Today, we are joined by Ruben Nazario and Nicole Alfano, who will be talking with us about shoppers' OmniPath to purchase. Ruben and Nicole lead our OmniPath team, where they uncover e-commerce and omnichannel insights. Hey, Ruben. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Good to be here. Hey, Matt. Good to have you guys. Ruben's like the boomerang. He just keeps coming back. We try to throw him and then he comes back. And <laughs> good to have me. you back, Ruben. Thanks. <laughs> and well, good thanks to have you here me. too, Nicole. Yeah, good to have you here too. So you guys are here because e-commerce and Omnichannel have exploded over the past year and, and wanted to talk with you guys a bit about that today. Yeah, sure. I mean, it really seems like everything has exploded over the past year. We, we are now living in a digital world. In addition to shopping being virtual, our kids' school is virtual. Play dates are now virtual. Yeah, totally. So just a few weeks ago, uh, I actually attended my first Zoom wedding. So not only did I watch my cousin's entire wedding ceremony on Zoom, but I got to hang out with a bunch of family members located all over the U.S. Uh, for hours. It was actually longer than I imagined. Um, it, was, it felt pretty normal, right? Like a pre, pre-COVID wedding almost. And then, um, yeah, recently I visited my parents over the holidays. Uh, we stayed in a very remote location, but despite it being in the middle of nowhere, we could still get Amazon and groceries uh, delivered, of course. So some things just feel as though they've been altered for good. Well, first of all, before we get into business more so, I have to note that you conveniently left out the fact that middle of nowhere is in Mexico. And I'm jealous. Um, second of all, right? I mean, for sure. Uh, second of all, that Zoom wedding—very interesting to hear about that. Actually, through a Zoom surprise birthday party this past year in 2020, myself, and it was pretty cool. It was fun, you know, kind of just seeing folks that you haven't seen in a while and such. So, yeah, I think the landscape's definitely changed, and we are in a digital world. We are. So now let's get into a little bit, a little bit more of the details. So we know that a third of shoppers actually started shopping online for the first time due to COVID. Nearly all of them plan to continue shopping post COVID. Online retail has exploded. For example, Walmart reported that their online orders grew by 97% in Q2. Instacart sales grew by 450% at the beginning of the pandemic. But the really interesting part is the growth in Omnichannel. According to supermarketnews.com, in-store visits to grocery retailers like Albertsons, Publix, and Kroger all grew in 2020. And we've seen similar findings in our own research for Petco and PetSmart. The growth in e-com and digital has actually increased physical store visits. So what we're seeing is that some shoppers research online, but they wanna see the product in-store before buying or vice versa. And some shoppers, Almost 50% in some cases choose to order online, pick up at the store, and then a portion of those then go on to go back in the store and buy more things. Well, it's interesting to hear that in-store and online are simultaneously going up. You might not think that when you think about 2020 and how much digital shopping has really come to the forefront, but very interesting to hear that both have gone up. And I can understand that. Sometimes you just want it now, and we're not really at a point where 
it's now. Even if tomorrow is close enough, sometimes it's it's really now that you want something. So I could see that in-store can benefit from that on a pickup perspective, nevertheless from shopping online and then going to ac- see the actual product in-store. You just reminded me of a, of a comedian that, that used to talk about Prime before, which is, I don't know if you heard about that, but it's just, anyway. Um, so yeah, Matt, <laughs> you touched on a good point. I mean, there, there are a lot of changes going on. And the, the reality is there's a lot of changes going on all the time. It seems like something new pops up every second uh, throughout last year and, and even now. Uh, you know, everything's evolving at lightning speed. There's things like micro-fulfillment, dark stores, contactless pay, just walk out shopping, direct-to-consumer, subscription service, circular packaging, Wabba Plus. There's just so much stuff. And it'll continue to change. And the reality is that a lot of shoppers have been exposed to, to e-commerce and to all these changes you know, for the first time. So not all these shoppers have the same level of experience. And that's, that's a really important point. As a brand or a retailer, it's really critical to ask yourself at what stage of the learning curve are my consumers on? You know, shopping has changed drastically and some people are keeping up faster than others. And we found in our work that this has a huge impact on shopping behaviors. So understanding uh, your consumer stage can help brands and retailers better engage and influence their consumers. Yeah, that whole idea of stages is interesting. I mean, I could remember probably back in, I don't know, 2013, 14, when I signed up for Prime with Amazon. And at that point, I said to myself, I'm just going to do it for this one purchase and maybe there'll be another and I doubt I'll really use it. (laughs) And then, you know, sure enough, I just look back at my stats and it kind of has exploded over time. And the, the stages have changed. I mean, for me, most recently, it would be shopping for clothing. It's something that I never thought I would do online. But now I do. And, you know, the barrier for me originally was the returns, right? Like, oh, well, how am I going to return it? It's going to be a pain to return it. And I tried it once or twice and I realized how easy it is. I could drop it off at the UPS drop-off. I could drop it off at Kohl's. I could leave it on my front stoop if I want and they'll come pick it up for just a bit more. So yeah, it's, it's interesting that idea of stages. And I'm sure you guys must see this idea rather frequently when you think about people that have different levels of experience with shopping. Absolutely. So on one side of the spectrum, we have those first time shoppers. And for these new shoppers, it's really critical for brands and retailers to remove the friction and make it as easy as possible to shop. But on the other side of the spectrum, one shopper profile that we've actually seen emerge in 2020 is the advanced or the super shopper. I prefer super shopper. (laughs) And these shoppers, they're in control and they have high expectations. They expect to get what they want, how they want it, when they want it, and at the best possible price. And they're often using deal-seeking tools like Rakuten, Honey, or Ibotta. This is actually something that we have recently seen over and over when observing shopping behavior. Shoppers not only appreciate the discounts, but it's really that notion of being in control and having the right tools to improve their own shopping trip and experience. In about half of the online shopping trips that we've observed, these shoppers had deal-seeking tool plugins installed directly on their browser. So Rakuten, for example, has 27 million website visits on average each month in the U.S. And in November, that reached almost 50 million. So these super shoppers, their, their desire to be in control is also reflected in their shopping behavior. These shoppers tend to ignore touch points that are too overt. They do not like to feel like they're being advertised to. So banner ads or sponsored content, those are often ignored. In contrast, more subtle touch points like recommendations after a product has been added to your cart 
or recommendations from an expert store associate, those can be very influential. Yeah, we, what's interesting is we found that these shoppers also feel entitled, <laughs> especially entitled for appreciation for their brand loyalty. And we've seen this happen more for expensive categories that are purchased regularly. So they feel that if they are choosing to spend so much money on your brand, when they can go buy any other brand if they wish to, then they, they feel entitled to some sort of love. So it's, it's a very interesting group of shoppers, you know, we're seeing a lot nowadays. So a, as a brand, it's, it's really critical to identify again what stage uh, your shoppers are in, in order to determine what touch points and spending to prioritize. So Matt, where do you think you are on the Omni shopping learning curve? I would say cigar shopping online, <laughs> expert, expert there. Amazon shopping, I would say highly experienced, but I don't really leverage all of the tools that they have available. I don't filter a ton. I don't use some of the other perks that they have, but straight plain Amazon, get it to my house in the next day or two. That I use a lot. Grocery, complete newbie. I really don't do any grocery shopping online. Really? Would, wouldn't even really know where to start there. Oh, yeah, it's, it's actually a point of contention in my house right <laughs> because I'd like to use it more, but we'll save that perhaps for a different podcast, different podcast. not this one. Like not Another this topic. One. <laughs> yeah. But that's actually a really great point, and it, and it really matches what we've learned. We found that shoppers have different levels of involvement and familiarity when shopping different categories. Um, I think the most obvious example being when you're buying a TV versus, say, buying bread. Obviously, Matt, you're you're not very good at buying bread right now <laughs> online. <laughs> but, you know, there's some categories where the involvement levels would surprise you. We've done work for food items that you would think would be really low involvement. And we're pleasantly surprised to find that the involvement was actually quite high. So knowing your consumer's level of involvement and familiarity with your category can really help brands engage them more effectively. So someone who shops for home hardware or, or power tools, for example, they might be more receptive to looking at ads with videos versus someone shopping for a snack like potato chips. That same type of video ad would be completely ignored. Yeah, and, and that actually reminds me that tied to this idea of involvement, there are different missions and mindsets when shopping for different categories. So Nicole, I think you, you're going to talk a little bit about that, right? Yep, exactly. So the omni-channel shopping trip can look very different even within the same category. And that's because there's different missions and mindsets that produce different behavior. So for example, shoppers will behave differently on a routine shopping trip versus when they're buying for special occasion versus when they're exploring new and exciting items. So the routine trips, they're gonna be on autopilot. But for the exploration, it's really that treasure hunt in and of itself that's exciting for them. Yeah, so our online behavioral data actually confirms this, uh, that different missions and mindsets produce very different behaviors. Recently, we found that in, in one of our projects that for one exploration-driven category that was often shopped at Amazon, Shoppers use significantly more touch points, including editorial reviews, ratings, product images, and videos. And they tend to use filters more often, uh, and they spend more time on PDPs versus for a more routine grocery trip that took place at Walmart. Well, it's interesting to hear all the different dynamics that exist when you think about categories and shoppers and experience levels. So what I'm wondering is, what can brands do with a better understanding of these experience levels, these learning curves, the normal shopper versus the super shopper, for example? 
Well, figuring these things out helps us answer a more important question, how and where to prioritize your spending. There are a ton of places where brands can invest to engage their consumers, but as we've seen, some levers work better than others. That makes sense. And I I could hear that loud and clear from both of you today with regard to shopper mindsets and the different learning curves and levels of involvement. So Omnipath, I'm assuming, is what's going to help us get to the answers you, you guessed that right, Matt. Uh, and it's probably because I've been on the show so so often that <laughs> and you know that. You don't have a heart. But yeah, Omnipath uses best-in-class tools that allows us to decode Omnichannel by observing and quantifying behaviors through big data, online and passive tracking, and behavioral observations. Uh, so having best-in-class tools is critical to understand the key moments along the path to purchase. We also use a behavioral lens to understand benefits and barriers along the path to purchase. What are the mindsets and motivations for buying a certain category? And what are the pain points? Or what friction exists? So Omnipath has already been around for a little over a year now, and we've worked with a lot of great brands across categories to help them identify and influence the key moments of their path to purchase. Omnipath falls into our diagnosed tools at Behaviorally. At Behaviorally, everything we do focuses on behaviors, as the name uh, suggests. And our suite of tools falls into two buckets. Diagnose, where we uncover behaviors, motivations, et cetera. It's, it's our consultancy side, if you will. And define, where we validate packaging and shopper materials in a quick, digital-first, and behavioral manner. Well, I, I really am excited about Omnipath. It's really just been great to see all of the work that's been done over the past year or more, I would say, at this point with that tool and knowing that the work that really uh, helped the service itself come to fruition before that, that went into Omnipath. It's great to see where it is now and where it's going to go in the future. I really want to thank Ruben and Nicole for taking the time out to spend with me today here on the podcast. Once again, thanks for tuning in to Our Best Behavior, brought to you by Behaviorally. We'll catch you next time.